0: Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley. With premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last.
2: What Up, TCK Podders? I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Podders? Welcome back to the program episode. 355. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. Joined by my man, Dweez Nuts. You can find him on Twitter at Dweez Nuts, all Zs, no Ss. Y'all know what to do. Of course, you can find the TCK pod as well and on Twitter, website under construction, but we'll be back with you soon at TCKpod.com. Today, we are covering the Super Bowl preview, Super Bowl 55 on episode 355. Makes sense. Of course, we have the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in Tampa. Pretty interesting. After that, Dweez and I are going to have a lot of fun breaking down some of our favorite all-time Super Bowl moments. He and I have been watching Super Bowl since the early 90s, the late 80s. We're going to be going all the way back about 30 years and diving into some of the more fun and entertaining Super Bowl moments that we've witnessed and maybe even further back and just covering some of the uh, historic headlines with the Super Bowl on the mind this week. Without any further ado, Dweez, how you doing, man? Good to have you back. Oh,
0: it's a good you know, this is the week where you're selling your squares, you're getting your prop bets together, dropping, you know, four or five grand on various player props online. Some oh, wow, it's a beautiful time of year where you're just spending like crazy leading up to this thing, man. Fun stuff.
2: And it's always um a lot of it is predictable because there's only two teams, but there's always something unpredictable. Like uh, you know a safety defensive touchdowns um, you know a missed extra point to throw off the scoring you know any uh, uh, on-site kicks to lead the second half um, kick returns for a touchdown things like that are always uh, in there to kind of fudge the works but um, you know when we think about the Chiefs and, and the Buccaneers obviously two of the most prolific teams this year but in different ways. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. They've been blowing people out of the water for the last three years. And frankly, you can even dial back to when Alex Smith was doing things as well before Patrick Mahomes became Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs were still um, obviously kind of an air raid offense. And and Alex Smith went from the laughingstock of the league for 12 years uh, to a uh, um, an MVP candidate that year with the Chiefs. And the Buccaneers really just took about Four to five, six games to even get their shit together with Brady and Arians and the running back committee and bringing in Leonard Fournette last minute, having the the wide receivers going in and out, bringing Antonio Brown. Gronk didn't even do anything for the first half of the season. OJ Howard goes down immediately, which we were all expecting a big season from. Defense played incredibly early and then they got shredded late, but then they played well in the playoffs. So the Chiefs have been kind of smooth sailing. Um but the Bucks have really just kind of grinded their way into another Super Bowl. Of course, Tom Brady in his 10th Super Bowl, unbelievable, looking for potentially his seventh win, which is just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, the Chiefs clearly looking to get back-to-back Super Bowl wins, of course, last year versus my 49ers. Uh, Dweez, just some of the basics here, and we'll get your thoughts on this uh, Super Bowl in general. The point spread, only a field goal. I thought this was surprising, but – I think it's because when you break it down, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, but the Bucs are playing a home game as the visitor, right? So this game is in Tampa because the the Super Bowl rotates around the country between a few different stadiums every year. And the Buccaneers happen to just be in the Super Bowl, first time ever in Super Bowl history that uh, the host city will have their team in it as well. So the Buccaneers are hosting the game as a franchise city, but they're actually the visiting team because the Chiefs. Had the better record. Chiefs are favored by just a field goal, at minus three money lines. Chiefs uh, negative one seventy one, and the Bucks plus one forty five. If you're interested in money lines and the over under fifty six, uh, which I think is pretty fair here, uh, considering these defenses are not incredible but playing pretty well, and uh, it should be man, it's going to be incredible, right? We got the goat, Tom Brady, who has done this already nine times. And we have Patrick Mahomes, who at this point seems like the only person who could potentially somehow keep pace with Tom Brady over another 15, 20 years of his career. But like I said last week, minimum, Patrick Mahomes has to play another eight years, minimum. Then he has to go to eight more Super Bowls, minimum. And he has to win at least seven more of those to even be in the consideration. So clearly has a long way to go. This is going to be a fun one, man. How do you feel about Super Bowl fifty-five, Chiefs and
0: Bucks? So, a lot of people I'm hearing are surprised by that line, right? That that uh, negative three line. But we got to remember that um, the the Buccaneers' offense is prolific as shit as well. Like there were plenty of five touchdown pass, or a couple at least, five touchdown pass games by Brady this year. They have more big plays this season than anybody does. Um, If not the best big play receiver in Mike Evans in the game, since he came into the league absolutely one of them like they can score when they want to score just as well as the chiefs do so. um, There's a lot of potential for points in this game, you know the defenses are they have sort of been up and down over the course of the year. not ever really exactly sure what you're going to get but they're not bad defenses i think it's going to be a relatively high scoring game like i'm betting the over uh, on that pretty easily but for me it breaks down this way right like when i look at this game and i think about what do the chiefs have to do if the chiefs want to win this game um and it, and for me it's it's there's three things here first of all brady's been protected almost better than any quarterback in the league this year only pressured 17 and a half percent of his dropbacks. Um, for an old man you'd think people want to get after him but but as a lot of these coordinators know if, if you b- bring pressure if you blitz somebody's going to be open and a guy like Brady's going to find him so um, you know Frank Clark and the guys up front here for Kansas City they showed against Buffalo that they can get home I mean they got after Josh Allen like crazy they're going to need to be able to do that pretty quickly to shut down those big plays and if they can they can do that, slow down the big plays and, and and do it without a lot of blitzing. I think that's sort of a key here. On offense, you know, the Chiefs just kind of have to do what they do. To me, the, the Kansas City Chiefs offense is like Floyd Mayweather in boxing, right? Mayweather never bothered to study tape because he said, the way I box can beat anybody in the world. I don't care what the fuck you do. And that's sort of the Chiefs' offense, right? Like they do them. They don't need to game plan or put in separate plays on the play card. For their opposing defenses they just do what they do and they and they score and that's patrick mahomes to tyreek hill patrick mahomes to travis kelsey and that's it if they continue to just do that avoid getting cute um that they're going to be just fine last thing here is ceh is back 100 healthy now uh it's a it's another element of the game there was zero running zero running back involvement last week against buffalo for either team i think a ceh can get involved um, with some underneath stuff Running the ball just a little bit, I think it'll open obviously open things up, and I think it's going to be just an extra element for that that offense. That's Kansas City side, right? Uh, now, if you ask the same question, what does Tampa Bay have to do to win? First off, we saw against Buffalo, like the the defensive backfield for Kansas City was man to man coverage. There was as good as I've ever seen in a game. They were blanketing guys all day. But Tampa Bay's got probably the best receiving core in the league right now. Certainly, you know, Stephon Diggs is a stud, but these, this, these guys top to bottom if Antonio plays, they can get open as good, if not better than anybody else in the league. Um, and, and they're going to have to do that early in the game. They're going to have to be able to get open quickly. Uh, we w- we're going to need to see some really quick passes to establish a nice rhythm for that offense. And once we can get those quick passes going, Tampa Bay has got the run game that they can be effective with the play action as well so right we need to get quick pass game going early we need to get the run game going early so play action um, can open up those big plays down the field open up some of that coverage and alleviate some of that pressure that I do expect coming from Frank Clark lastly and defensively for the Tampa Bay Bucks, it's it's very similar to what problem Buffalo was dealing with not a good team against tight ends seventh most tight end touchdowns given up So far on the league. Now, Devin White and Levante David have are coming up. They're getting better and better as the year's going on. So I think they're gonna I think that defense is gonna have to get creative with White and David in the red zone to try to slow down Kelsey. Again, you can't stop Kelsey, but if you can avoid him getting multiple touchdowns, easy ones in the red zone, that's gonna be really key, I think, for the for the Bucks, but like you know, both teams there's a there's a path to victory for both teams, right? And it's not out of the realm of reasonable if they can do just a few things right uh, for either team to win this one.
2: Absolutely, and it's going to be uh, really interesting again to see the high power, high octane offense go against Todd Bowles. Now, let's remember, you know, just a, a couple months ago, the the uh, Bucks and the Chiefs played each other, and this is the Tyreek Hill 200 in the first quarter game. But let's not forget, I think like that is the headline of that game. Tyreek Kill had 200 receiving yards in the first quarter, three touchdowns. He had a backflip into the end zone he was so wide open. That is the headline of the game. But if you look back at the box score, the Buccaneers had multiple chances to win the game at the end, and they inevitably lost by less than a touchdown. So they were getting blown out 17-0 early. Tyreek Kill and Patrick Mahomes were having their way with them. And I don't know if they just – Pulled back to throttle or didn't want to show all their cards or whatever. But nonetheless, the Buccaneers got back into the game, started having some stops. Brady had some scores. All of a sudden, it was a competitive match. So look, Brady's in the Super Bowl. <laughs> he knows this literally better than anybody else and uh, ever. Um, and he is uh, going to have that locker room ready. But if anybody else knows currently, it is the Chiefs who were in it last year. They were a bogus offsides call against Brady and the Patriots a year before that from going to the Super Bowl. So they could potentially be looking at a 3 threepeat here. Um, you know, Brady's obviously at the end of his run, whether it's this year, two, three, four years from now. But Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid and the rest of the squad are, are kind of just catching their stride. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, man, it's pretty pretty magical matchup, I think with with all the different storylines, very excited about it. Before we get into our Super Bowl memories, I do want to just kind of dial it back here. It's it's a little bit old news now, Um, not quite breaking news here on the podcast. I'm I'm sure you've heard by now. If you haven't, for some reason, there was a big trade, the first major trade in the NFL postseason and heading into 2021. I want to cover Matt Stafford to the Rams and Jared Goff, plus some picks to the Lions. So before we get into our Super Bowl memories, let's break that down really quick. Big marquee trade. We knew Matt Stafford was going to be on the move. We know Deshaun Watson may or may not be on the move. There's a lot of talk that he will leave because he's disgruntled. But if you talk to people behind the, behind the scenes, like the suits of the NFL who actually handle cap, they will tell you that honestly, even though he's upset, he doesn't really have any power. This is not the NBA. He can't just say, fuck you guys and leave. And create a super team they have to let him out of the door pretty much right so although he wants to leave and he might Deshaun Watson is not guaranteed to leave Carson Wentz same conversation but there's other quarterbacks obviously in the mix as well that could be on the move this particular season the first one to move though is Matt Stafford and Jared Goff so the Rams get Matt Stafford alone and the Rams give up more picks They just gave up a ton of picks a few years ago 2016 for Jared Goff. They gave up more picks for Brandon cooks. They gave up more picks for Jalen Ramsey. And here they are again, giving up three more uh, picks in their future next year's third round pick, or I should say this year's third round pick. And then a 2022 and a 2023 first round pick plus Jared Goff goes to the lions. So, you know, quick fantasy breakdown, Dweez. How are you feeling? Let's let's cover the Rams first. Matt Stafford comes over to the Rams. Goff is gone. We don't worry about draft picks because we don't know who those are going to be. But let's talk about Acres. Let's talk about Woods and Cup. Let's talk about Higby with Gerald Everett potentially on his way out as a free agent as well. How do you feel about the Rams now uh, getting Jared Goff? Or excuse me, getting Matt Stafford instead of Jared Goff?
0: You know, early reactions I've seen on Twitter and heard from people were that this was a, a big step forward for Cup and and Robert Woods in that passing game. But, you know, if you, if you look at what Goff's done there, I mean, he's a 4,000-yard-plus passer for years and years and years. Um, plenty of touchdowns thrown for years. I it, There's no room for growth for these two guys. They're both top 12 wide receivers already with Goff. I don't think Matt Stafford coming in is going to make them both top six receivers or anything. I think they're going to stay pretty much where they've been. I don't know that um, Sean McVay wants to throw the ball a whole much more than he already was. He's been clear coming into this past season that he wanted to run it more like your San Francisco 49ers do. And that sort of came to fruition. But I don't think the game plan here is to try to turn these two guys into, you know, another huge air raid offense that throws 650 times a game. Uh, Do I think there's a potential uptick for Higby? Because We've seen Stafford look to the tight end. Yeah, probably. Um, do we think there's some potential for some more big plays, down the field stuff? You know, they don't really have a down the field receiver. Stafford's always loved throwing the ball down the field. So perhaps in the offseason here, they make a move to try to get somebody to fit that that role. You know, they drafted Van Jefferson last year, which was a surprise because he does the same thing these other guys do, run underneath. But uh, I, I honestly think the trend we started to see in Los Angeles this year at the end of the season with cam makers, taking a bunch of work, um, then getting more, more runs, getting the running back more involved um, in the run game. uh, And then just, just passing less often. I I think that trend is going to continue really. What Stafford does here for the team is um, it gives them, it gives them the opportunity for those big plays. You know, the, the run, 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 play action, throw it downfield. Goff was never really very good at that. Stafford can, it also saves them a little bit of money. Now, the Rams are negative $44 million in their cap right now, third worst in the league. Well, they're saving $5 million this year um, going from Goff to Stafford. So it does a few things for the team. I don't know that it was worth all the picks that they gave up, but I don't think it does a lot to the fantasy pieces on the Rams at all, if I'm honest with you.
2: That's fair, and and uh, I think the upgrade is going to be the efficiency, and I think Matt Stafford brings uh, an extra kind of grit to the offense, and while Goff and numbers-wise might be similar, I think it's just like an attitude thing, right? Like, clearly the Rams the toughest
0: have... guy, One of the toughest guys in the NFL, and that could be a locker room thing for sure.
2: Absolutely, and and I think you just, you know, you, you sit on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're looking, ESPN's shown it a million times in the last 24 hours, there's the clip from a few years ago he was playing the Browns they were you know down a touchdown or whatever had to tie up the game or forget what it is but he goes down he you know scrambles around and he takes the shot to his ribs and I think he like broke ribs and hit like separated his shoulder or something on the play and so he's down on the ground literally almost crying you can hear him because he's mic'd up and he's rolling around on the ground the trainers come out he's got to get up but he gets up in time so he doesn't have to miss a play because the clock's running he shoves off the trainers, literally some like Rocky Balboa shit runs down the fucking field with literally his arm just hanging off of his shoulder, throws a fucking intercept, um, a touchdown and, uh, <laughs> runs off the field with basically his, his arms hanging there. So again, I think it's just like having that grit and tenacity is something that you can't replace in a competitive yeah. nature and nothing against Goff. He's just not that type of leader. And while the statistics might be similar, um, I do think we've seen for years and years and years prior to Jared Goff that uh, Matt Stafford can play a number of different roles in the offense as a leader of the quarterback. Um, And I do think it helps out overall uh, the team. Also, look, the Rams kind of gave up on Goff a couple, you know, maybe last season, definitely this season toward the end. Akers started averaging 20, 22 touches a game. We know that McVay wants to run, 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 and that's fine. I think Stafford's going to be better – in that role behind a better offensive line, keeping him healthy will be great. And look, man, as a 49er fan who plays extra close attention to the Seahawks, Cardinals, and Rams, for for about three days, us Niners thought we might get Stafford. And now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, he's the enemy twice a year. And I'm not thrilled about that. He's an excellent quarterback. If he stays healthy, he could be great. So we'll see what happens. Also, interesting nugget that will start uh, birthing pretty soon here after this Super Bowl happens Super Bowl 56 next season's Super Bowl in 2022 in Los Angeles. Just want to throw that out there. All right, let's move to the other side very quickly. We'll take a quick commercial break and we'll jump into some Super Bowl memories. Let's break down the Lions quickly, man. So immediately they get Jared Goff. Again, they get a third round pick this year. They get two first back-to-back later on. We don't know who those are going to be. They have a lot of holes clearly. Adrian Peterson in some hot water all of a sudden with some tax issues. He could be gone. DeAndre Swift should be the guy. They got a new head coach in Dan Campbell, old school fucking tight end with the Saints and the Lions themselves. We've all heard about the knee-biting rant, whatever. Nonetheless, he's trying to bring in a different culture. Defense has been horrendous, though. They have a lot of holes all over the place, and they view uh, Goff as at least a, what, two, three-year stopgap, if you will, um, while they rebuild everything else. Galladay might leave to free agency. Marvin Jones is a question mark. TJ Hawkinson and Swift are really the only ones that we can bank on at this point. Quintus Cephas could come out of nowhere, potentially as that quote unquote Robert Woods, but I don't know, man, I haven't been stoked about the lions in my entire life and certainly not for fantasy <laughs> football. I'm not sure I am now either.
0: Yeah. You know, it's hard to be, it's hard to, uh, they are the fucking Detroit lions, the Owen 16 Detroit lions. Once, once you do it, you're always the Owen 16, whatever. But so the new GM here, Brad Holmes, um, you know, when, when they're interviewing, obviously they're asking questions about what's your long-term future plan. How are you going to rebuild this team? Because it, it's not a good football team, right? Like they have a couple of players that were keeping them in game. Sometimes Stafford, one of them, obviously, but it's not a good football team. Um, and I have to believe that the organization and Brad Holmes as GM step in with a, a clear cut plan as to how they're going to rebuild. I'm not going to be surprised if they go out and get a few more picks Um, over the next couple of months leading up to the draft as well it's it's easy to make a plan like we'll see how he actually drafts but I don't hate what they did here right like I think they got a, a really nice value pick wise for Stafford and they bring in a guy that you know like you said is absolutely a stopgap he can play quarterback he can he went to the Super Bowl with the Rams a few years ago let's not forget he's not he's not going to win games on his own for sure but he's absolutely a a capable starting quarterback in the league which is you know if you if you ask 32 GMs in the league if they were rebuilding a team um, would they be happy with Jared Goff in there while rebuilding I think Most of them would say absolutely. So I think it was a really good trade for Holmes. If his plan can work out moving forward, um, you know, we'll see. It's always a we'll see with a new coach and a new GM at the same time. But I like this first move for them for the future, certainly not for this year. And yeah, for fantasy reasons, you pretty much try to stay away if you can.
2: I agree we got a question for you before we move on here of all the Rams and all the lions that we know are on the roster currently, who's maybe your favorite player of all those players?
0: Uh, it's, it's either, it's either Cooper cup or Kenny Galladay. Who's one of the most underrated guys every year in the league.
2: I would say if it were me and I'm picking Cooper cup or Kenny Galladay, I'm thinking to myself, Kenny Galladay is a free agent. He may end up in Philadelphia, Green Bay. He could end up in San Francisco. He might not be on the team next year, but I'm pretty confident Cooper Cup will be. So maybe that's a jersey that I could go get at the Jersey Jungle. Would you agree?
0: Hell yes.
2: Absolutely. So I'm going to get a Cooper Cup. I'm Look, look for me personally, love me some gritty guys. I like the guys that do the dirty work. Robert Woods is one of my favorites. You might want to get in on the uh, DeAndre Swift train early uh, with him looking to uh, looking for him to get a bigger role this year. Of course, maybe you want that jersey swap. Look, if you're a Rams fan and you think it was an upgrade to get Stafford, jump on it quick. Likewise, if you were a Detroit fan and you weren't really into Stafford because he tried for 10 years and couldn't get you over there, maybe Goff can get a breath of fresh air. You could try it there as well. Go to Instagram. Hit up the jersey Jungle. Tell them Dweez and Sky from the TCK sent you. You get 10% off of custom jerseys, NFL jerseys, football, baseball, soccer, hockey, whatever you'd like. They got it there for you. 10% off of one jersey, 10% off of two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. Look, Dweez has been telling you all for weeks. You go to the Washington football team, you get three young studs, all right? But if you maybe want to get, let's say, two of the Super Bowl jerseys, and maybe somebody from this new trade. Or like me, I was a Buccaneers fan in 2002. It's a long story. I'll get to that in our Super Bowl memories. But I was a Buccaneers fan in 2002. I might get some throwbacks. I wouldn't mind maybe a John Lynch, who's now running my favorite franchise with the 49ers. I wouldn't mind maybe another All-Stop jersey, but like that creamsicle vibe. Love me some Warwick Dunn and what he does off the field. Um, Derek Brooks, Hall of Famer. Those are the kind of jerseys you can find with the Jersey Jungle. So, Highly recommend if you're looking for the guy that gave you that fantasy championship or maybe just your fantasy team in general, somebody on your favorite team. Maybe you're waiting for free agents. Grab that jersey before they're gone as a keepsake. Go hit up the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Tell them Dweez and Sky sent you and use the promo code TCK to save 10% or 15% off of one to three jerseys. And we're talking half off already. 120 per jersey on NFL.com. These are 60 bucks to start. And you get ten to fifteen percent off of the purchase with TCK as the promo code. Go hit it up immediately. All right, do so,
0: listen? The three jerseys that I, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, what three jerseys would I want to go buy right now, other than those Washington football team? Here's what I. Here's what I've decided, and I might go do this. There's there's three retiring greats coming out of this season that are not only great players in the NFL, but great dudes. Drew mm-hmm. Brees. Philip Rivers, and Greg Olson, one-time Chicago Bear, all retiring this season, all winners of the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award at some point mm. in their career. Like, these three dudes leaving the league, like, this might be something I go do because I've loved watching all three of them play.
2: And Drew Brees, absolutely a Hall of Famer, and I would say that at minimum, Philip Rivers and Greg Olson are on the bubble there at least, so you might be able to score a couple Hall of Famer jerseys there as well. I think that's a great call. Go hit up the Jersey Jungle, tell them Dweez and Sky sent you. You will enjoy it. Excellent, excellent product. Again, we would not rep something we don't believe in. I got my Justin Herbert baby blue jersey. Love it. Stoked on it. Going to be repping it here. And you'll catch all these jerseys that we're purchasing on our own here once we kick up the YouTube after the Super Bowl. All right, Dweez, speaking of Super Bowl, let's have some fun with this one, man. We're going to dial back the clock a little bit. Again, you and I have been watching Super Bowls for 30 plus years. My first Super Bowl was the 94-95 season. So the San Francisco 49ers win the Super Bowl over the San Diego Chargers, 49-26. That was the first one that I really remember like being conscious of. I was seven years old watching the game. I remember-ish the season before that, um, uh, or the, excuse me, the season after that, which was the Steelers and uh, the Cowboys, but the first one I really got into was the Niners, and of course, I'm a Niner fan, so that one has certainly stuck with me. Dweez, what was the first Super Bowl you remember like consciously witnessing, and and of course, you know, like, you know, sitting down on the couch next to some family relatives because you're a baby, and that's what you, where you have to be while everyone else gets hammered and watches the game doesn't quite count, so which one do you remember watching first?
0: I, yeah, I'd love to say I remember the uh, 85 Bears, but I, I was four, so I don't, um, the first one I want to, I, I really remember, uh, is really a pair here. And it's right before, right before yours, the 92 season, the 93 season, this is Super Bowls 27 and 28, the Dallas Cowboys in both of win, both of them. Um, when I'm a young kid back in the day, I was a huge fan of the triplets, man. I fucking loved the Dallas Cowboys. And these are the years where Emmett Smith was at his peak, right? Michael Irvin was an absolute damn stud. I always thought Troy Aikman was pretty much a a systems quarterback, but fit beautifully there. But my favorite guys on this team uh, were Moose Daryl Johnson and Jay Novacek, man. I loved watching those guys.
2: Love those call outs, fullback shout out and tight end shout out. Love that.
0: Do you know that, do you know that Moose had 50 catches in the 93 season? I saw that looking this up earlier today and it just blew, blew me away. But uh, 50, looks- 50
2: catches is that's, I mean, that's a ton. And you know, what's so funny is, is, and I won't digress too much on this, but while you bring it up, I just love that you gave a, a shout out to the fullback. Um, Cause I try to rep Mike Allstott as often as possible. <laughs> um, but you know, you hear Troy Aikman talk uh, when he goes back to these games all the time, like Troy Aikman's in the hall of fame because, you know, they won all those uh, Super Bowls. I'm not saying he was a bad quarterback. I don't want cowboy haters jumping my ass. I'm not saying he was bad. He was good. I really enjoyed his football life and him at UCLA and then Oklahoma and Barry Switzer story and all that's awesome. Disney Channel shit, and that's cool. But numbers, numbers numbers-wise, he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I'm just going to throw that out there. However, you're right. He's one of the triplets, and not only that, but you had Novacek and Moose, plus – they were the first team to like make the offensive line cool. Like Leon let Larry Allen were like celebrities as just giant offensive linemen. Great, great calls. And of course, you know, taking down Buffalo two of their four losses in a row.
0: So, so I bring up these super bowls, but if I'm honest with you, I don't know that I remember the super bowls nearly as much as I remember those NFC championship games, both of those years, it was Dallas and San Francisco. And when I think back to my childhood and watching football, it was always the Dallas San Francisco thing Um, as a huge Cowboys fan that I paid attention to, you know, there's a four year stretcher they played in the NFC championship against one another 92 to 94. And it almost happened again in 95, but green Bay knocked San Francisco out of that one, but um, great NFC championship games. The, the, the uh, Super Bowls almost feel like hangovers, right? Like this was a 13-year stretch where the NFC won the Super Bowl every year, all the way up till '97. So maybe it's more the NFC Championship games I remember. But that '92 and '93 season, those triplets, the, the Cowboys, man, that was my shit. That, those are the first ones I really remember when I think back.
2: Love that, and of course, you're on the Cowboys side as a fan as a kid. At the same time, I'm across the country in California as a Niner fan. So we got you a little bit. You got us a little bit. And then Favre took care of both of us uh, to kind of end that realm of the dynasty. But, um, you know, if we dial back a little bit, I think the most infamous Super Bowl I remember, like, hearing about constantly and, like, in my childhood and seeing my pops and my grandpa and my grandma getting fucking fired up about. It's the 81 Super Bowl. When the Niners win their first one over the Bungles, my dad went to the game. You'd love this. This is in Pontiac, Michigan. Of course, the Silver Dome here, the old Lions Stadium. And the Niners get it done. They win 26 21. Montana's first, everybody's first. Bill Walsh, the whole thing. But I think the reason I'm bringing this game up in particular is the NFC championship game. <laughs> was really what turned the tides with the Cowboys and the 49ers. The 49ers were the dog shit for the 70s, getting their ass kicked constantly. The the Cowboys were in there with the Steelers in the 80s and everything else. And in that 81 season, that was the catch with Dwight Clark, blah, blah, blah. Honestly, the Cowboys almost won that game on the final drive, which people don't talk about, but they didn't. It changed the tide. The 49ers go to back-to-back, um, or not back-to-back, but 82 and 85 Super Bowls. And then they get back to back in 89 and 90. And then of course the the Cowboys had a few in there as well as, uh, along with the, the two you mentioned, um, against Buffalo. So incredible dynasties on, on each side of the fence there. Um, the 49ers and, uh, the Cowboys doing very, very well. And of course your bears are in the mix there and, um, 86, 85, 86 against the uh, New England Patriots. Um, it was tough to see Tom Brady lose that one, but he has <laughs> won many others since uh, 46 to 10. The bears get the best of the uh, Patriots there, but uh, 85 bears are absolutely amazing. Of course the fridge gets the touchdown. Uh, pretty incredible there.
0: So Let's keep let me, going. While, while oh, go we're talking about it, Hang on. I gotta, I gotta jump in here, you know, as, as the bears fan on the show, first of all, 46 to fucking 10 was the most points scored in a Super Bowl at the time. Biggest margin of victory in a Super Bowl at the time. Your boys of San Francisco, 46. Four years later. <laughs> four years later, beat both of those. But they're still top three and top four all time there. It was the last time a defensive lineman was named Super Bowl MVP, Richard Dent, baby. Probably only because Von Miller was technically an outside linebacker when they won. Yes, you mentioned the Fridges touchdown, which is great. But... Um, that's always been a little colored in my mind because mm-hmm. uh, Walter Payton didn't Belongs get Belongs to Walter, yep. And he's been salty about that ever since. Mike Ditka famously says he forgot about Payton and didn't realize that he hadn't already scored a touchdown. But I don't think Walter Payton ever really forgave him for that because it's every kid's dream, every running back's dream to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Gave us the fucking Super Bowl shuffle, though, that year. So I don't, I don't remember watching that game, but uh, I told you earlier today, I have that Super Bowl both on VHS and on DVD, and I plug him in every few years just to watch and relive the glory days, man. What a Super Bowl. I love that.
2: And, and of course, we're talking mid-80s, so Jim McMahon had a lot of the hype. He was kind of the man. first showboat quarterback back in the day. I guess Namath was that guy too, but McMahon was certainly kind of the hotshot guy, but don't fool yourself. This is the mid 80s. It was all Walter Payton all the time. And for him to not get that touchdown um, was huge. And I've, I've seen a couple of interviews over the years of Ditka and other people talking about it. And it, it literally was just an oversight. But, you know, you got to have one of those like fifth assistants to the running backs coach who was like, hey, I just want to let you know, like Walter hasn't scored. If you give a shit, now's the time to do it. And uh, they didn't. So Fridge, I mean, it's an iconic moment for the Fridge to fucking get it and it was fun, whatever, but kind of a, you're right, to Bears fans and kind of like football nerd historians, kind of a jab, uh, unfortunately, on, on how that went down. But, uh, you know, say la vie. Let's continue on, man. Let's, um, what I'd like to do here is, uh, you know, you and I have kind of gone over a glory Super Bowls, the, the early Cowboys for you as a kid, the later on, you're currently a Bears fan now living in the Midwest. A Niner fan since I could breathe um let's kind of go post 94 and let's kind of just knock out a handful each of kind of our favorite Super Bowl memories either just you know it could be one play it could be that your favorite another favorite team as a kid went there or maybe your favorite player finally made one or just a, an incredible um series of events leads to an upset or something like that let's just knock out a couple man we'll go back and forth here down the list from 94 to last year um and just kind of cherry pick in order uh which one's there and um we'll kind of just fill the gaps a little bit we're not going to cover every single Super Bowl from 94 95 to present but we will kind of cherry pick and then at the very end I want to dial it way back to uh the early days um and just kind of go over some uh, historic uh Super Bowl memories but again Dweez, let's go with the ones that we remember watching growing up as a kid, rooting for these guys, playing with these guys in our backyard. Again, man, you and I are old enough to remember when kids didn't fucking do YouTube 99% of our day, right? We didn't have social media. We barely had fucking video games. Like Madden 97 was the coolest shit I owned in my house, right? Like that's real talk. Okay. So we dial it back pretty far. So when you're out, you know, grade school, recess, whatever, playing, like, who are the guys that you're trying to be? I'll let you kick it off here. I went with the Niners in 94. I'll let you go after that. Who's the next closest Super Bowl after the 94 season that you remember?
0: Um, For me, the 1997 season. So it would be the 98 Super Bowl. Super Bowl 32 uh, was a a real memorable one. This was um, John Elway finally gets the win, beats the Packers in the Super Bowl. that's after he lost three, right. And he'll go on to win the very next one uh, in back-to-back seasons. But for a couple of reasons, this one stood out in, in my memory. One, because, you know, Elway finally got a chance to ditch the yeah, but moniker that kind of followed him around. He couldn't win one, couldn't win one. Um, and for a guy like John Elway, one of the absolute greats, like you love to see that. Like I love to see guys who, who are her great players finally get their own. When Drew Brees won, finally, it was fantastic. Same thing for John Elway. And the other reason I really loved this game is because they beat the Packers. And as a Bears fan, I fucking hate the Packers. And this was a season that the Green Bay Packers looked damn near unbeatable. Like they hadn't lost a game since October or they lost one, right? Since October, um, Favre was absolutely in his prime three. It was his third Pro Bowl season in a row, his third season in a row with 35 plus touchdowns, which was absolute top echelon back then. So um, to see Elway get his first one and to do it uh, on, on the on the backs of the uh, Green Bay Packers when they probably should have taken that down. I mean, it was it was, uh, it was was one that stands out when I think back.
2: Favre's third MVP as well on top of the Pro yeah. Bowls. I mean, just absolutely dominant in the, in the late 90s, of course. I'm going to dial it back just one year and go with Favre's, you know, over the hump, if you will. Uh, Green Bay gets the win over the Patriots, 35-21. So, you know, for non-Patriots fans the Patriots have been in a number of Super Bowls before Brady he just made it cool I just want to throw that out there uh but Green Bay gets it big win 35 21 Favre gets his just as you mentioned with John Elway the next year Green Bay goes back to the Super Bowl and John Elway gets him that time but Desmond Howard returned touchdown It's one of the most iconic Super Bowl highlights that you see in all the runs this time of year. Um, I was a big fan of him at Michigan. Uh, I grew up, uh, just oddly enough, I grew up a huge Michigan Wolverines fan um, in college football. Uh, I was a Tennessee guy with Peyton Manning as well and whatever. But um, just kind of an iconic game. Drew Bledsoe there. uh, Obviously, this is pre-Brady. Um, But just a a great game. I I really remembered that one. And and Favre was one of those guys. I know you hate the Packers. And frankly, I do, too, because we had another like postseason rivalry with them as the Niners. But Favre was just one of those dudes that like. You just I couldn't hate Favre. I just didn't like the Packers, you know, and so I was like trying to be him in the backyard. Everyone had the four jersey, blah, blah, blah. So having them uh, get the win in 97 was was a big one there. But obviously, Denver going back to back in Elway, riding off on the, 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 the Bronco, if you will, into the sunset, um, got it done, which is very impressive. Uh, what's the next one you want to bring up here, man? We're up to uh, 1999. So into the 2000s. What's the next one you want to bring up?
0: i'm gonna do super bowl 34 here so just a couple seasons later it's the 1999 season took place in 2000 and you know when when you when you're watching a football game if your team is not in it what you want is just the best possible game the game that goes down to the last fucking second and to be honest there's not a game in my memory that had a better finish then it might be the best possible finish to a football game, the S- Super Bowl 34, right? Let me, let me break it down for you, okay? Um, it's Titans-Rams. Uh, Titans tie the game with just over two minutes to go. Uh, the very first play from scrimmage on the ensuing drive, Kurt Warner, 73-yard touchdown pass and run to Isaac Bruce they're up again and then Steve McNair takes the field less than two minutes to go masterful drive some like insane personal effort plays where he's throwing tacklers off of him with two seconds left on the clock from the 10 yard line Steve McNair throws an underneath pass probably a questionable decision at the time to Kevin Dyson who, who uh, is immediately hit by a linebacker. They're fighting. They're fighting. He's fighting for the yards, and he falls half a yard short of the end zone. Zeroes on the clock. Game over. You cannot ask for a better fucking Hollywood ending to a Super Bowl than Super Bowl 34. That shit was fun.
2: I think that's an absolute, absolute... Uh, uh, Game, kind of a the 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 normal fan like at this point everybody watches the fucking Super Bowl, right? Like you and I are nerds, right? But Mm -hmm. everybody I know who hates fucking football watches the Super Bowl if nothing else to catch the halftime show and the commercials, right? That type of game when it's middle America teams. There's not a I mean outside of St. Louis at the time, outside of Tennessee, a Rams and Titans fans nationwide. So everybody's kind of just watching the game to watch the game. You're 100% right, man. That was a great game. I remember that when I was sitting around with a bunch of my buddies. Freshman year of high school, I was sitting around with a bunch of my buddies watching that game. Look, another one of the teams that I wasn't a huge fan of, but I rooted for, Steve McNair, Eddie George, Javon Kurse. Huge, huge, kind of Titans ish fan. Uh, once they change over from the Oilers back in the day, loved fucking Eddie George back in the day. And yeah, tough good. to see them come up again as a Niner fan. I was rooting against the Rams, but the greatest show on turf, absolutely fucking phenomenal. There's one other game that we're gonna get to that I think might rival this one for uh, for you know the the ending. But this yeah. one is certainly. I mean, I know I, I know which one you're gonna.
0: I know which yeah. one you're gonna say. But and, when, and and and. Yeah. And, and I think everybody
2: would agree, but uh, until this point, this is definitely the one. And again, to end it the way it did. And if you watch that game, it was back and forth, back and forth, very close The defenses played well, the offenses did enough, um, but not quite enough there for Kevin Dyson last minute. All right, let's move on here. Um, I had that one marked as well. And, and again, very, very similar reasons Uh, after that we had, you know, I just go through it really quick here. Tom Brady ended up getting the Rams two years later, his first Super Bowl, uh, gets the win, the Vinatieri kick, of course. Uh, Twenty seventeen over the Rams. Two thousand one, two thousand two. The one I want to bring up here, two thousand three Super Bowl. But again, all these numbers are a year uh, what after, I guess, because they're all January or February. But the two thousand two, two thousand three Buccaneers and Raiders Super Bowl. This one's a fun one. I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast, but the Buccaneers come in, play Oakland, who at the Rich Gannon. At the time, Oakland was fucking money, dude. They were absolutely on fire. 14-2, and two, I believe, on the season. Gruden, of course, with the Buccaneers, eventually goes to the Raiders, yada, yada. But this was the team. So I'm in I'm in high school at this point. Um, I'm a uh, sophomore, junior. And Mike Allstott was my favorite player in the NFL, not on the 49ers. If you are maybe younger and don't necessarily know some of these names, go please. (laughs) YouTube, Mike Allstott. I promise you, you will enjoy all the video clips for him. Just an old school, put your head down spear, you know, unfortunately it led to neck injuries, which ended his career. But the way he ran is just a way that literally it's illegal to run the way he does now Earl Campbell. You can't run like that anymore because it's dangerous for you and the defender. Mike Allstott, a truck was one of my favorites. I got, you know, one of his jerseys and again, might get one of those creamsicles as well. The fun part of this story is, my, uh, history teacher in high school, true story, history teacher in high school, big time Raiders fan. We had fucking Raiders flag. Again, I'm in the Bay area, right? I'm like 20 miles from Oakland, the fucking flags, like Raider Jersey on, uh, uh, Fridays when all the football team are wearing our high school jerseys, he's wearing Raider jerseys, the whole thing, big time Raiders fan. They go to the super bowl and I'm a Buccaneers fan ish. I got a work done. I got a, 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 a Warren sap. Um, I've got a, uh, Mike Allstott Jersey and I'm wearing those throughout the week, you know, just kind of talking shit. My teacher, and this is probably illegal. I'm sure in 2021, this guy would fucking go to jail. I'm sure. But he literally bets me 20 bucks that, um, that the Raiders would beat the Buccaneers. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Like I, I don't have 20 bucks to pay this guy anyway. And he probably knows it. So sure. Anyway, the Buccaneers slaughter the Raiders. Right, just absolutely smash them. Um, five interceptions, or five turnovers, seven sacks on the day. Uh, absolutely crushed. Bucks get the win. I show up on Monday. There's literally a twenty-dollar bill taped to the underside of my desk at school. He paid. He paid in on it. Nobody, we didn't talk about it ever.
0: <laughs> awesome.
2: it's, it's, it's not until 20 years later, I'm bringing this up on a podcast, but uh, no names, but uh, you know, shouts out. He knows who he is. I'm sure he's a big time listener. So appreciate the integrity there. But anyway, Buccaneers, huge team. Uh, they had just changed over their jerseys from that creamsicle. They come in and uh, get the huge win after Tony Dungy had been there forever. And they really turned the tide there for the buck. So Huge one for them. Uh, let's move on down the list here. Uh, next up, of course, Brady gets another one over the Panthers, thirty-two twenty-nine, And then um, 2005, I'll just do this one very quickly, was another one for me. Uh, Brady, they get another one, so they go back-to-back. The Patriots here, um, and they had just missed out. Getting Oakland, getting past them, they could have potentially gone four in a row for the Patriots, but they get over the Eagles. Um, Now that's McNabb and Andy Reid back when he was with uh, the Eagles, so uh, pretty interesting matchup there. But that was that was a big one I remember. So I'll turn it over to you, Dweez. Again, Um, we're at about two thousand five or so. What's your next uh, most memorable Super Bowl moment?
0: Probably a little obvious, but I'm going to go the 06 season. So the 07 Super Bowl, Super Bowl number forty-one. Uh, the Bears go back to the Super Bowl for the first time in my adult life, and look, the best 14 seconds maybe of my adult life. The opening kickoff, Devin Hester. Devin Hester, unbelievable touchdown. Um, I was at a bar, okay, a bar that I was a regular at at the time. I turned to the to the uh, bartender, gorgeous young lady behind the bar, and I tell her when the Bears win this game, she's coming home with me. She had a Colts jersey on, and she agreed. So I was very excited about that. Unfortunately, the rest of the game after that 14 seconds fucking sucked. It did not go my way. Um, <laughs> no, no hate on Peyton Manning. Like I, if I, if my Bears are going to lose, for my money, Peyton Manning is the best quarterback in, in the history of the NFL for many reasons. I'm sure at some point we'll get into that, but um, I'm happy that if we had to lose, it was to Peyton Manning. But one of the reasons that I want to point out this Super Bowl is, First black coach ever to make it to a Super Bowl. Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith, two of them made it at once. <laughs> um, fantastic for the league. Now the league still has plenty of work to do, equality wise, at the co- coaching positions and things. But that was a that was a big moment, and and a Bears as a Bears fan, somebody who really loved Lovey Smith on the team, I was, I was proud just to to, to watch that happen. Um, I will say as a side note. Lovey got done really dirty by the Bears. He was the best coach since Ditka. Um he's the last best coach that the Bears have had. It's it's finding a good head coach is not easy and, and they just kind of threw him to the wolves, but he's not the only guy on that team that got tossed out um like last week's trash right Thomas motherfucking Jones. This dude 2 1200 yard rushing seasons. He had I think 12 carries for 110 rushing yards. In this Super Bowl, he was one of my favorite Bears running backs ever to watch. And they cut him so that they can go draft Cedric fucking Benson. Saw how that goes. In fact, I, I went I went through the Bears history here to look at all the Bears great running backs of all time. And I ranked them for myself. Thomas Jones, to me, is a top five Bears running back all time. I got Peyton Sayers, Forte, Neil Anderson, and then Thomas Jones, which with Bronco Nagurski is an honorable, honorable mention. Love that can play but there there are there are backs that you just love watching the way they play football and thomas jones to me was the one guy that got done dirty right alongside lovey smith after losing super bowl 41
2: and even though they came up short against peyton manning who those colts teams were just unbelievable marvin harrison uh edger and james uh, uh reggie wayne whatever uh they were just nuts but um that was one of those defensive led teams yeah. right um the, the bears were defensive heavy and uh brian Erlacher, of course um but de- yeah man another highlight guy you know anybody unfamiliar with devin hester i'm sure you've heard the name but if you haven't really watched him just go watch highlights oh, just absolutely no, phenomenal phenomenal okay let's move on here a little bit um i'll move down here to the list uh 2007-8 we got to bring up here eli over brady part one Look, we all know what happened. This is the helmet catch. The next one is the sideline catch. But this one's the helmet catch. 17-14. We've all seen it, again, all week long. A lot of these on social media, they pop up, and you see those quick clips. It's third and 15. The Patriots not only have the best offense in the league, they have the best defense in the league. All they have to do is knock this pass down. I mean, that's it. The game's over. They win a Super Bowl. Knock the pass down. Eli gets sacked four times but he ends up not getting sacked at all breaks tackle somehow comes up throws a fucking hail mary um and this ball should have been picked minimum and it's caught uh david tyree gets the catch on the helmet over rodney harrison the rest is history they've marched down plaxico burris corner of the end zone boom touchdown they get the win one of the, one of if not the largest upset in Super Bowl history um all told of of a wild card team coming in with, uh, and facing the almighty patriots in their prime so that was a huge one and of course I'll just skip right ahead a couple of years later they do it all over again um in 2011 2012 and Eli gets them again 17, this one was that you know two beautiful throws down the sideline there never thought much of eli manning overall as a as a quarterback um He ended up finishing his career, I think, at 117 and 117 or something, wins and losses, very average to me. But in those two particular games, fuck, man, he absolutely showed up and they got the wins when it mattered. They brought pressure. And really, for the next decade, it kind of put the mold on how do you beat Tom Brady? The only way you have a chance. And maybe the Chiefs are looking at this film from fucking 12 years ago. How do you beat Tom Brady? You bring pressure the Giants had two of the best defensive lines of all time those two particular seasons in 7 and 11 and they got it done so tips off to the Giants in those two games there was one more in the middle and then Dweezle let me turn it back over to you here New England gets a win um, in the middle there as well Uh, I went over the Eagles game but again uh, them getting that big one over uh, McNabb and and Andy Reid that was just a, a big one for me just kind of Watching the Eagles and the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game three years in a row, and the winner um, obviously going to the Super Bowl there. So coming up short for Andy Reid, but of course he got his vengeance uh, last year and, and uh, versus Brady over the over the time he's been with Kansas City. So two big wins for the Giants. Do you want to compound on the Giants over the uh, Patriots, or would you like to move on?
0: Yeah, just really quickly. All I want to say, obviously, I put the uh, the the helmet catch on my list as well. A lot of catches in the pantheon of NFL history, um, you know, named like the catch or the immaculate reception. For me, this is the most clutch play, clutch catch, um, the most historic catch uh, in football history for me. Okay, It it was an amazing play. And David Tyree, like if you're a Giants fan and you don't own a David Tyree jersey, I know somebody who can get you one. Um, go find him at, at Jersey Jungle, but you should fucking own that jersey. I mean, why wouldn't you, right?
2: I, t- I totally agree. And, and um, not to digress too much again, but it's just so fun to talk about these old school things, bro, because you and I can, can talk kind of OG football forever, and I fucking love it. Um, David Tyree was not even supposed to be on the team. Like, yeah. the one, he's one of those stories where he was, like, the seventh receiver preseason. They had injuries. That play was supposed to go to Plaxico Burris, but he was, like, triple covered. So, they went to uh, David Tyree on accident because, you know, Eli Manning was just like, fuck it. I got to throw it up 20 yards and hope we can, you know, hope for a pass interference is what we're looking for. And he ended up catching it literally on his helmet with one hand. Fuck it, man. I get chills just talking about it. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm, I'm the furthest thing away from a giants fan and I'm not a Patriots hater, but (laughs) talking about that game fires me up. Absolutely. All right, man. You uh, you you,
0: You watch all these clips um nowadays right and it's cool as shit to watch but there is nothing like watching that play happen in real time right or that titans play half a yard short in real time watching these fucking plays when they happen there is nothing better in the world as a sports fan of any kind than watching these insane performances right
2: totally agree any more of the we kind of covered some of the middle 2000 super bowls any more of the middle 2000 super bowls you want to get into
0: I got one. It's a little later. Um it's in the teens. You want me to go ahead and hit it? Hit it. All right. So, this is my last one on my list here. It's Super Bowl 50, 2016, it's the 15th season. Um at the time, I'm living in North Carolina. I'm surrounded by a bunch of Cam Newton fans who let, let's let's not get this twisted. Cam Newton is maybe the most at, most athletic size and speed and, power and all these things he's he's one of the best in that kind of range of all time in the game but he's a god-awful leader he's a he's not a good quarterback on a team I mean he puts a towel over his head and sulks in the corner when something doesn't go well I'm somebody who firmly believes that like if you want to be a great quarterback you have to be a great leader first and uh, so it's always bothered me Cam Newton in general and Cam Newton fans all over me this year. They go to the Super Bowl. So watching Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware just fuck him up play after play after play in a room full of Cam Newton fans, um, that was one of my favorite Super Bowl moments ever. Six sacks in that game against him. We got the f- sack fumble by Von Miller, um, touchdown there. Uh, and then, you know, icing on the cake for all that. Peyton Manning swan song you know gets to go out on top like I said he's to me the best quarterback um, in the history of the NFL I know he played like shit in that game but it doesn't matter Uh, it was it was it was great there was nothing about that game that I didn't like I enjoyed watching the people around me cry about these sacks just as much as I watched Cam Newton cry on the field it was great
2: Well, and they got, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, of course, played like shit, but it didn't matter. You're right. Um, He was at the end of his career. He was on his way out. But like Elway with the Broncos, he got his last uh, Super Bowl and and rode the sunset. But um, that was a very defensive led team and they got it done. And I think, you know, I've said it for a handful of years. And while he's really fun to have in fantasy football, I think Cam Newton in the last 20, well, is he 2011? So the last, what, 10, 15 years? I think he's the best bad quarterback in the NFL period. Um, And what I mean is, again, he has the skills, he has the ability. He had his best season. I mean, he had an MVP later in his career, but his best season was arguably his rookie season when nobody in the NFL knew how to fucking deal with this kid. You know, he was a defensive end playing quarterback, scoring, running for, was it 14 or something uh, rushing touchdowns? And then they caught on to him and then he had to beat him with their arm. And he did for one season, this season. Um, After that, he just, he, he couldn't, couldn't handle it. And obviously, unfortunately we saw this year with the Patriots that, uh, the Cam Newton, we all know and love is uh, well behind him. All right. I'm going to dial it back just a couple of years. I want to get into the Harbaugh. So this is the Ravens and the 49ers. Unfortunately, my Niners come up short. The misses, her favorite team is the, uh, the Ravens. And and I'm sure she's, she's, uh, laughing it up in the, in the room over here from me, but, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh, John, uh, John Harbaugh uh, with the 49ers, Jim Harbaugh with the, uh, um, uh, or I'm sorry, backwards. Jim Harbaugh with the Niners, John Harbaugh with the, the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens come in, they beat them 34-31. Uh, this is Kaepernick, yada, yada. Um, this game, though, was crazy, dude. There's a fucking power outage. The whole yeah. stadium goes black for a while. They had like a 12-minute delay, which, you know, I mean, it's definitely conspiracy and it was fucking rigged and I'm not going to get into all that, but... The Ravens end up getting the win. This is a huge one here. And, of course, this is Ray Lewis's kind of swan song, uh, uh, if you will, as well. The next one, man, we got to top it up. You talked about 50. Let's talk about 51. We have to bring this up on all-time Super Bowls. And, really, we're going to get back-to-back Patriots here, uh, Patriot games. So we'll talk about the one that they won, and this is against the Falcons. They're down 28-3. to Any person in the general southern region of the United States – if they saw a sign or a code or a pin number or a phone number that has 283 in a row, I'm sure it makes them sick. <laughs> They're up 28-3. to Bill Belichick, Tom Brady come all the way back. James White may or may not have scored the game-winning touchdown. Looks like he did. Patriots get the win ultimately 34-28. Dweez, this is the game that I would say, if not the Rams over the Titans and Kevin Dyson coming up short. This has got to be the best, uh, the biggest ending, the, the, the most insane ending of a game because this game was over in the first quarter. And, of course, the uh, Falcons give it up. Little did we know in 2016 when Matt Ryan wins the MVP, yada, yada, Patriots come in just because that's what they do. They go to the Super Bowl. But the, the Falcons had a great chance to win this game, obviously, up four touchdowns. Little did we know this would unfortunately kind of become the Falcons thing to do over the next four years, which is build a big lead lose a big lead. And it's, it, I mean, it's no joke. They've done it like nine times or something losing 16 plus point leads um, in the regular season and the postseason. And of course this is uh Kyle Shanahan here. So um, tough loss for him there. And then the next one, Philly special, of course, uh, they pull a rabbit out of the hat there for the Eagles. And then um, I don't need to talk about last year because I've done that enough, but the Niners come up short against the chiefs. I'm still pissed at uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Richard Sherman, but I'll get over it maybe in 30 years. But the uh, Philly special in the twenty-eight to three games are two of the most iconic, and another one I didn't even put on my list is the interception at the goal line on Russell Wilson when they should have run with Marshawn Lynch. So the Patriots obviously have been in it, um, fucking I swear, like the last twenty years, literally,
0: <laughs> but heavily
2: the-, the heavily the last couple.
0: Yeah, about that about that Patriots at, uh, Falcons game, like only Super Bowl ever to go to overtime, which you love, and and looking back, you know. Cool, great, but I'll say this about watching that game. It was extremely boring to watch. Like, the whole first half was very one-sided, not good football. The whole second half, very one-sided, not good football. Like, I didn't enjoy watching that game. Now, it's a great story, right? It's a great story, a great finish, like, fantastic job coming back that far down, but it's just not fun to watch that one.
2: Well, here we are covering, uh, let's see, 2000, uh, 2001, 99, 2000, 2001, covering Tom Brady Patriots Super Bowls. And here we are just days away (laughs) from a 2021 Tom Brady Super Bowl going up against the Chiefs. Absolutely phenomenal what he's been able to do. Again, I am not a Brady hater at all. Uh, Certainly wouldn't call myself a fan per se, but it's been nice to kind of be, have the older mindset, uh, I guess, um, and the mentality of just appreciating greatness and having less hatred. You and I talked about this last week that, you know, we don't hate players. Obviously you got your, you know, vendetta against big Ben. I respect that. I don't like guys like, you know, uh, uh, Vontaze perfect or Bill Romanowski or Indomitian Sue who are just dicks. Like I can't handle people who are just mean assholes, but, um, it is pretty incredible to witness what Tom Brady's done and win or lose on Sunday, absolutely phenomenal accomplishment, Um, changing teams, changing franchises after 20 years of the same head coach and virtually the same offensive coordinator going to a completely different franchise and um, basically doing it all over again. It just, it's fucking unbelievable, dude. And it's really cool to watch. And I hope people, all the mouthpieces on Twitter that like to talk shit about Tom Brady and I'm fucking tired of them. And it's annoying and blah, blah, blah. I just hope they realize what they're witnessing because I was not a Peyton Manning fan straight up until he retired. And I was like, yeah. damn, dude, that guy was fucking amazing. I should have given a shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I watched like drew Brees playing at 75% drew Brees that I've watched for 20 years, but still enjoying him. Like Phillip rivers, big Ben, like these older quarterbacks just kind of, enjoy and older players in general but quarterbacks especially after they give you so many years just enjoying um what they've done for the nfl and, and the longevity of of their careers is, uh is very special so i love it man um if you would like to get into the chiefs and niners game from last year uh you're welcome to um but i'm not sure that i would invite you back onto the podcast if you did that so i'm yeah. I'm good. I'm good. So maybe, some, maybe we should just pass. Um, I'll let Lucas and Bobby talk about that on another one when I'm not around. But, um, but hey, man, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we do, of course, have a couple more episodes coming up. Lucas and Bobby will be on the program. We'll get everything dialed up for you for the Super Bowl previews. Everything else, we got our pick'ems. we got the DFS, we got the game previews. Even further with Bobby, you know how we do this. We're gonna have a perfect mock draft with him as well later in the week. But Dweez, what does your general Super Bowl Sunday look like?
0: You know, this one's obviously a little bit different, but uh, it for me, I, I mentioned it earlier. It's all about the gambling for me, man. I get, you know, my I get three or four separate square pools going. Um, I like to make up my own prop bet sheets. So I'll, I'll make up like a hundred prop bets, anything from basic player props to just the weirdest shit I can find. I don't know. I'll make some stuff up just for the fun of it. Typically I have, you know, big parties over here. We're 50 people deep this year. We're looking like we're going to maybe try to fit maybe six guys in my garage, spread out social distance. It's going to be strange, but I've already set up all my gambling online with my friends all over. So I'm going to lose a lot of money. And that's how I do it, baby. That's how I do it.
2: What if, just hypothetically, what if you won a bunch of money?
0: oh jeez that's i i don't know what i'd do with myself if i won a bunch of money right <laughs> use i get very drunk when i do these i make bets throughout the game as well it's just not it's not good i go into it expecting to lose i think if i win i'll just probably give it all to my wife just give it a beautiful to her. That's- love
2: that love that treat treat the missus treat the kiddos for for you know dealing with our um pseudo irresponsible habits and uh yeah, I, I appreciate that, man. I'm, likewise, you know, I I, uh, I generally like to, you know, go elsewhere, um, catch a game with somebody, you know, have a little barbecue vibes, whatever. Um, I got a, a buddy here in town who, who brews his own beers and whatnot. It's the, you know, Northwest. So everybody here fucking brews beer and whatever. So it's cool to tap a new keg and sometimes we play cards and stuff. But with the COVID stuff, man, it's just uh, not the case. So honestly, I'll probably be sitting by my lonesome. And if my girls want to chime in, cool. If not, they probably won't. And <laughs> they'll be in the other room watching something. And I'll probably just be sitting by myself with the pup, just, uh, you know, trying to enjoy the game, but it is kind of nice. I put up a poll on Twitter today um, and it was really 50, 50, which I thought was interesting after about 50 people voted. Um, I, I said basically like, would you rather have your team play in the Super Bowl but lose? Like my Niners made the Super Bowl last year, but they fucking lost. Would you rather have your team make the Super Bowl and lose? Or would you rather it be like the Bears this year, Dweez, where you made the playoffs? It was okay. You weren't really expecting a Super Bowl run. Anytime your team doesn't win the Super Bowl, you're bummed, but you're kind of like, yeah, I get it. Like maybe next year. So would you rather have your team play in the Super Bowl and lose or not make the Super Bowl at all?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, it recently happened to me with the Bears as well, 10 years ago or so, but. I would rather have them go to the Super Bowl and lose because of the glory of those playoff wins. Maybe not the Super Bowl, but NFC Championship win. We got a division around. Give me those because it's not just one week. The Super Bowl is a culmination of the playoffs and a whole season. And if I have a Super Bowl season, that's a good several months for me.
2: And you probably have great players. You obviously have a bunch of wins. So you're right. The entire season itself has been great. And look, the Niners is a sore taste in my mouth because they lost. But Raheem Mostert goes for four touchdowns against the Packers the week before that. I mean, they're smashing, you know, uh, uh, the Saints. I mean, they had a great run that they beat the Seahawks three different times, uh, or I should say two out of three. But in the last play of the game, which, of course, they're a rival. You love that. So very interesting, man. I hope you enjoy the game. I wish you the best on your on your bets. Um, and, uh, you know, during the off season and of course stick with us, we're going to ride out the Super Bowl here and we got a lot of great upcoming content. We're going to have a new episode uh, later this week and early next week to kind of let you all know listeners what we have down the pipeline, but Um, we're going to get into some of those bets and best ball stuff. And I know Lucas and Bobby and you are are pretty big onto that. So kind of turn you guys loose on that kind of stuff for, for people looking for that kind of content, but very excited about it, man. Another Super Bowl. It's kind of nice to not have a dog in the fight. I gotta be honest. I'm, I like, I like the chiefs. I'm a little bitter, but I like the chiefs as a team. I like uh, the Buccaneers. I'm rooting for Brady just because, but if Mahomes gets it, He's the next one in line rooting for Andy Reed, nothing against the bucks and we'll see what happens. So a lot of fun, man. I'm excited about it. Y'all make sure you go visit our boys over at the Jersey jungle at the Jersey jungle on Instagram. Tell them Dweez and Sky sent you for the TCK promo code 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. Go get them custom made, home away, whatever it is, holler at him; He'll get y'all taken care of. Awesome, awesome deals over there at Jersey Jungle. Go visit my man, Dweez, on Twitter. Jump in his DMs, man. Give him some shit. Talk about the games. He likes to have the conversations. Y'all know he's got the personality and the the uh, the wit to handle you. So go check it out. Go hit up my man, Dweez, on Twitter, at DweezeNuts. all Zs, no Ss. Also find TCK on Instagram at FantasyFootball underscore pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. We'll catch you next time, episode 355 in the books. Lucas and Bobby coming down the pipeline. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch you next time on the TCK pod for my man, Dweez Nuts. I'm your boy, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the Leather Collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new Leather Collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at four ninety nine ninety nine dollars and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.